You're listening to G4D, Grounds for Discussion, a weekly music podcast hosted by your two most caffeinated hosts, Adam and John. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a cup of coffee, and enjoy the following episode. Intro music still pumps me up every single time. Thank you to your brother for <laughs> making my, it. Yeah, actually, I've been asking him to make some more music for us for another Fun. potential podcast that we could be doing. Oh, whoa. I almost said podcast. Podcast? Pod? It's, we're, we're a pop Funko podcast now. <laughs> yeah, that's all we do is review Funko Pops. Yep. So um, this uh, this Nicolas Cage Funko Pop is uh, quite accurate. You know, I don't know if they make Nicolas Cage Funko Pops. They don't? I don't know. I've never seen one. The only reason why I picked him is because <laughs> where we're recording right now in Adam's apartment, like right next to the kitchen area, there's a Nicolas Cage standee, like a mini one, yeah, not a life-size like, one. It's a cardboard cutout. Although I am surprised you don't have a life-size one. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm open, you know. If you're, hey. you send them my way, I will, I will gladly take him. And someone's birthday's right around the corner. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh yeah. It's a big one, too. The big three zero. It is. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're growing up so fast. <laughs> don't remind me. Everybody says that's it's all downhill from there, but I refuse to believe that. Oh, well, it's all up here right now because I'm drinking some... Excuse my language. Damn fine coffee right now. Agreed. Cheers. This is a very special limited edition David Lynch coffee. Organic house blend. Yeah. Ooh. It's very chocolatey. I'm so, I, it tastes like a, like a classic cup of coffee. It really I, does. And that doesn't surprise me. It's a Mexican blend um, brought to you by Allegro Coffee. Mm. Limited edition blend, so thank you, Adam, for not only buying a bag for yourself, but for one for me as well. Mm, anytime. This is the first time I'm trying it. It's really good. Oh, it's your first time? Yeah. Oh, I've been drinking this nonstop. I got I the golden really ticket like right here, this bag. It's like gold, and it's very, very hard to read the font on the gold. <laughs> yeah, because it's <laughs> in, in silver. Light. Yeah, like, can you... I, I think I could read that. Oh, you got it. So since opening its doors in 2005, the David Lynch Foundation has introduced the stress-relieving transcendental meditation technique to more than 500,000 children and adults around the world, focusing on underserved inner-city students, veterans of PTSD, and their families, and women and children who are survivors of violence and abuse. As a part of their longtime partnership with filmmaker David Lynch, on his signature cup series, Allegro Coffee is proud to release this limited edition bag and make a $10,000 donation Ooh. to David Lynch Foundation. So not Beautiful. only are we having some really great coffee. We're having it for a good cause, too. For a good cause. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I really like the classic flavor behind this. I feel like there's a little bit of pepper in there, very subtle. Yeah, that it's got I'm a little tasting. spice to it. A little bit of a spice. Mm. Oh, yeah. I actually make this in uh, my French press at home, and it comes Ooh. out a little bit lighter. Interest. I'm surprised it wouldn't make it a little heavier. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. How are you grinding? Um, not 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 too fine. Like oh, you want coarse, my my friend? I want coarse. Coarse. French press is coarse. Ooh. Fines will make it a little watery. Okay. A little little ashy tasting. Well, it's it's still because that filter is so like you know not really thin. They'll, the particles will pass through it, you know? So that's why you want it thicker. Mm. Or coarser, excuse me. See, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Try try a little coarser. Now I feel like I've been serving people bad cups of coffee, including myself. Maybe that's why the French press lady laughed at you. That's probably why she She knew your French press game was weak. Yeah, she knew. She, <laughs> she <laughs> explains <did>. it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. Ooh, this guy who grinds his beans too coarse for, for too fine for French press. <laughs> well, buddy, it's good to be back good for be another back. episode Oof. of G for D, aka Grounds for Discussion. Discussion. And we are mixing it up a little bit. Uh-huh. Now, this isn't obviously the first time we've done this, but I feel like it's really the first official 
movie review podcast that we're going to do. Oh, yeah. All right, Robert, work on a new theme music there for us, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make him busy. Not that he isn't busy with his own stuff. And plus, he does that of the kindness of his own heart. Oh, we love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Love to have him on the show sometime. He's yeah. done some really good music. He was working on an EP that was... It was basically like lo-fi hip-hop, but samples anime, specifically mm. Cowboy Bebop. It was really pretty good. pretty cool. Sometimes lo-fi hip-hop is just very repetitive. There's not really too much to it. Yeah. And I, and I know he's my brother, but I felt like what he was making was much better than what you typically hear out there. Hmm. Just saying. I can dig it. So we are going to review I'm Thinking of Ending Things, a Netflix movie that dropped last month Yep. from Charlie Kaufman. And it's pretty much what we're going to do, I think. This will be a good yeah, format Yeah, I was thinking here. about this, you know. It, a lot of this is, I feel like, it's going to be hard to talk about without spoilers. Why don't we just do a very quick review? Oh, basically okay. Basically summing, like, what the plot is. And, you know, we'll basically talk about, like, what worked for us, what didn't, the basics. All and right. then we'll go into a spoiler discussion, obviously. Um, and then after that, I think there's a couple of other things that we could just kind of touch upon really quickly in the... And the theme of movies and everything that's going on in the industry right now. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, I think what we'll want to do too, for those of you who are listening at home, we'll include a timestamp. Yeah. We'll, we'll, John and I will do an awkward pause. Yes. And we'll then I'll, I'll, uh, you know, record like skip to this time, <laughs> you know, like if editor's note, editor's note right here at six forty seven, forty eight, forty nine, fifty. 48, 49, 50. Okay, good. Although by this point, the movie's been out for about a month. I feel like if you're yeah, going to see you know, it, you've know. probably seen it. Yeah. But hey, we'll, we'll be kind. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, there's going to be a lot to talk about once we get into the meat of the discussion. Mm-hmm. So on that note, um, before, we, before we dive in, um, I think it should be said that this movie is not going to be for everybody. Agreed. And I think it's going to be one of those kind of things where you're probably going to be much smarter than I am. <laughs> well, so to preface also, I did read the book. Oh, that's right. You and did. And there are similarities, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the message is clearly still the same pretty mm-hmm. much. There's a little changes here and there that so I won't go into discussion. until we get into the spoiler section. Because mm-hmm. I haven't read the book. And I feel like, like I said, you are much smarter than I am. So you're going to pick up on a lot much more than I did. Plus, <laughs> you, you're, you're going you're gonna to point out things that I'm probably going to be like, whoa. I'm sure you'll notice stuff, too. It will just be me. You, you got this. You're, you're a smart guy. Don't, 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 don't discount yourself. Here's the thing about me, though, Adam. <laughs> I don't always pick up on the most obvious stuff. There's sometimes movies where people are like, oh, I knew the twist five minutes in. And I'm like, well, I didn't. That, that's just how it always goes. I'm, I gotcha, I gotcha. When I'm in a movie, like really into a movie, most of the time I don't see that incoming twist or those oh, different Well, I'm elements. very curious to think about what, what your interpretation then. Yeah. Okay. S- see, this is why I think it's going to be a good discussion and why I really look forward to it. So let's dive in. So I'm thinking of it, and I'm thinking of anything, the latest movie from Charlie Kaufman, Who's better known for doing such movies as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, although he wrote that. So he wrote um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, being John Malkovich. He directed and wrote uh, Synecdoche, New York, which was his like breakout movie. And then after that, he did a... It was based on a play that he wrote called Anomalisa, mm-hmm. which I, that movie is very good, too. Have you ever seen that one? I haven't, but uh, I've heard good um, things about Yeah, it. it's stop motion. It's kind of like a, like a life piece i guess but it's interesting uh, we can talk about that movie later but um okay. this is his first like m- movie that he's done in a very long time he mm-hmm. actually just wrote a book as well called ant kind oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> i read ant kind and woof that is a that is a beast for another day but um i noticed little similarities here and there there, uh-huh. there was a scene with ants and they talked about you know, people being like collective so of ants. So there's a Charlie Kaufman like, ah. universe going on there, right? And there's also a part, this is not really too spoilery, but um, they go to a fast food restaurant with a clown and mm. there was a big clown part in uh, Ant Kind. Interesting. Yeah. So if you haven't guessed already, for those who are listening at home, this is definitely a hipster movie. <laughs> no, he, you know, Charlie Kaufman, he's very existential. He's very, you know, he looks at life through a lens 
in a way and it's very like metaphorical and like you know a lot of what ifs in life and mm-hmm. just overall like I don't know you can't describe it it's like Charlie Kaufman like what do you what do you what do you when I say Charlie Kaufman like what comes to your mind um somebody who questions anything and everything yeah um definitely has a unique sense of the world um you know probably is very you know could enjoy being melancholy yeah he's a mis- misanthrope yes is that the way? There you go. yeah that's yeah. the best way to describe it so the basic plot here is that pretty much a a girl goes on a trip with her new boyfriend a road trip rather to meet his parents at their remote farm now in this story nothing is as it seems and the story goes off in plenty of crazy different directions that we'll go into much further and it's pretty much like adam was saying it kind of very existential yeah it's about a girl you know it's they're a month ish dating into the relationship she's meeting his parents and you know like the whole movie kind of starts with her saying you know i'm thinking of ending things so she's already going into it saying doesn't matter what happens at the parents house i'm gonna break up with this guy anyway and it's kind of just like the book is like this too it's a lot of like reflecting on relationships and struggles and like those first time jitters and stuff like that and just relationships in general it's a it's a very like big critique about it lead played by jesse Buckley, um who doesn't have a name she's just referred to as oh young she woman. does have a name it changes multiple times but uh we'll we'll get to that when Whoa, we do okay oh. jesse plemons plays her boyfriend jake <laughs> yep and then um for his mother and father it's tony collette and david thewlis respectively oh, yeah, tony collette was awesome Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's oh, so great. She's so perfect. So um, m- kind of my quick co- quick thoughts here. So this is one of those kind of movies that I knew right from the get-go. I'm just going to have to go with it. And I'm just going to have to kind of sit back and take it for what it is. Yeah. And just really accept the fact that I'm not going to get a lot of answers. And yeah. And it's definitely going to be confounding and puzzling. And how does that connect with this? Mm-hmm. But still, there are a lot of aspects that I found really still relatable. That awkwardness of a, you know, relationship on the rocks, that questioning, you know, whether you're someone worthy of being with this person or whether you want to be with them at all. You know, just the overall awkwardness that comes with the relationship while also kind of playing into the fact of like, you know, imagining your life kind of just going by just going through this sort of malaise, this sort of melancholy, you know, and just getting older and older and life is just getting more and more depressing, basically. Yeah, a common theme in the uh, Charlie Kaufman universe. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll say it right, right off the bat. Um, I, I was hooked on this movie right from the very beginning because I knew I was going to get a very u- unique experience. And I know I say that about everything. I say that with music. I say that about movies. Give me something new, give me something different, and you've already scored some points with me, and that's no different here. Right from the get-go, I was really taken in by this aspect of, like, what exactly is going on here? I don't need to know, but I can't wait to see what's built upon here. And the book kind of does that, too. It's like you're in the car conversations, you know, when you're reading it versus when you're listening to them talk in the car are very different, just because, like you're reading it and it just seems to go on and on. But like, that's like the whole point. Cause like they're trying to get to know each other and she's trying to feel it out a little bit. You know, I've heard some people kind of refer this to his very own horror movie. And while I don't agree with that. Yeah. I don't really, there's, there's tense moments in the movie. The, the The book is more of a horror story, if anything. So, I don't know. Should we start talking about spoilers or just wait Um, a little bit? Yeah. I'll I'll just, I'll just wrap it up really quick here. So, Um, you mentioned the car ride. There's like two very long sequences in the car. Yes. Oh my God. Those were some of my favorite, just like I, the, the shots of them and just how they, you know, and this is, you know, kind of leading into other things too, but just the darkness that surrounds both of the characters and how it's like focused on one person and just dark and it fades to the other. I really like those kinds of shots. Completely agree. I, as regardless of, Regardless of, you know, like those scenes, which which I ultimately did like, there's two, I'd say they last about 20 minutes long-ish, maybe a little bit more, two sequences of just two people in a car talking. And 
while I was interested, it those were the points where I felt like the film was kind of dragging a little bit. Yeah, they they kind of drag in the book too, mm-hmm. in some ways. But I think like the shots keep it interesting. Like it, it definitely yes. drags, but it's not like a boring thing just because it's interesting to kind of just figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really only my big complaint with this. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to say. Um, is that Jesse Buckley, I think, is phenomenal in this. I don't know if she's going to be eligible to be nominated for awards because I don't think this came out to theaters. I think it was just Netflix. It was just Netflix. But I think movies that just go to Netflix can be nominated now. I I think they still have to go to theaters, though. So they're doing that with um, David Fincher's upcoming movie, Mank, and um, Trial of Chicago 7. Mm. Like, they're running in the theaters for, like, I don't know, a couple weeks or whatever in order to be part of that qualification. So I don't know if this would be there. Not that I think it would you know, sweep at the Oscars. No, or anything, I, I at least but... think like editing, like some of oh, the yeah. shots editing and the, well the lighting too. too. Oh yeah. Very, very well filmed. Great, great lighting, great atmosphere. Good makeup too. When the, the scenes are like Tony Collette mm-hmm. when she's like older and stuff, it's very well done. Yeah. It's believable. Completely agree. Completely agree. So yeah, I mean, just to wrap it up, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's not going to be for everybody at all. Like, it is over two hours long with long car sequences. And if you're someone who's willing to go along with that, you'll get enjoyment. But I could definitely see some people being like, yeah, this is boring. This is dragging. Well, all right. Let's, let's, okay. So. Would you highly recommend it? Oh, yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah, perfect. yeah. It's, it's one of those thinkers, you know. Skip to 3405 to avoid spoilers. Thanks. Again, 3405. Spoilers. Okay, great. Spoilers. So the reason I'm just hesitant to talk about this without spoilers is because, you know, there's two plots kind of happening in this movie. There's what's going on in reality with the characters and then what's actually going on, like inside Jake's mind kind of thing. Wait, it's through Jake's mind? Yeah. I thought it was through the young woman's mind. No. Oh, John. Oh, my gosh. I'm about to blow your mind here. See, this is why I knew you would understand this much better than I would. <laughs> All right, why, why don't you tell me your interpretation first? All right, so my interpretation is that it was mainly through her, her viewpoint in that she, she, she's kind of like, we, we don't know that much about her right off the bat, but as we get to know her and her relationship with Jesse uh, Plemons' character, Jake, Jake. Um, that she she's she's questioning everything around her and she starts seeing certain things play out in her mind where it's like scenarios that could have gone differently um between you know the two of them meeting differently to different conversations that they didn't have so she's she's playing out all these different kind of scenarios in her head some good some bad and then she's also playing out like oh what if i had stayed with him and his parents had gotten older and, you know, mm. you start seeing all those different visions of, you know, her, her, um, not her, but his parents getting older. So she starts kind of imagining like, okay, what, what is my life going to look like down the line if I stick with him? Like, she's really kind of going through this internal conflict of like, I think I'm, I'm thinking of ending things, obviously the title, but she also at the same time will go back and forth between that. And, you know, Jake's a really sweet guy. I really like him quite a lot. I feel like I should be with him and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I felt like what we are seeing is all her different, like her inner monologues playing out. Like they're all kind of connected to some of the things that she says earlier on. We just see them get played out. Interesting. You're close. Okay. You're close, but picture it from Jake's perspective and not her perspective. Okay. So the book makes it a little more clear in kind of what happens um at at a point in the book the narrator goes from the girl to jake okay and it goes from his perspective kind of thing so basically the interpretation is that the janitor is jake and he's see i thought the janitor was him it's because she saw the clothes right wash so basically what happens is the the janitor who's older jake is reflecting on his past life and his regrets and he creates this fantasy in his head about the girl to take that's why like her name keeps changing constantly if you've noticed her accent changes she she even changed herself like the actress playing her changed that yeah so quickly the the um the part where the janitor is watching the 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 the, uh, movie directed by robert zemeckis or whatever (laughs) yeah that was yeah that's that's the same actress in the car yes that's right yeah yeah 
So it's basically him thinking because, you know, he's living his life in regret. You know, he's a janitor. You know, mm. he's retired. Like, okay. And that, you know, so he's building up this fantasy girl in his head because he never settled down. He never met someone. So he's building this fake relationship in his head. Ah. And basically regretting his life and his opportunities he had. Okay. Yeah, and I, that's I definitely why, got like, that. I definitely thought, okay, that's definitely Jake. Yeah. And it, it's I'm thinking of ending things as the janitor committing potentially suicide because he's depressed. So it's got kind of two meanings. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's why okay. the time jump kind of happens so quick because it's all it's it's like he's playing the scenario in his head. Yeah. Like what if she met my mom when she was younger? What if she met my mom when she was older? Like, you know, that that kind of thing. Wow. I really thought it was through her point of view. But now that makes much more sense because especially in the final maybe two thirds, maybe, maybe less. Yeah. Like the sequence in, in the school, mm-hmm. you can tell it's shifting over to him now that you've told me that. Right. Because the janitor comes back into play who we randomly see like in the beginning and at certain points mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the film. And he gives her a hug and the way he reacted made it seem like, I wish... I wish I could have had this. Yeah, I wish. Uh, I, yeah, I wish yeah. I could have had this, and because there was the play going on and all that, he 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 was imagining like that scenario played out in like a musical fashion. It was Oklahoma, which was the same song he heard on the radio. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But I noticed that the villain of that musical portion is the is a janitor, so it just means that like. It's it, it, it to me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. So tell me if I am. But the, that janitor in the musical section represents. So basically, the- what happens is um, they're they're driving home from the parents' house. They stop at a uh, like a what was it called a Turley Town or something. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a like a fast food place. They get milkshakes. They go to the school, mm-hmm. and you remember you know, when they're driving, and Jake's like, it's got 137 classrooms and blah, blah, blah. Like he lists off the statistics of the school and she's like, wow, you know so much. It's because he's the janitor. And of course he knows the school backwards and forwards. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So then they go to the school, you know, they're about to like, you know, do it. And you know, the janitor's watching and it kind of like taints like this vision, you know, by adding sex into it. Mm. That's why he kind of creeps on them and that's why he freaks out and he's like, no, I shouldn't be watching this. Like, no, this is not right. Like, oh, okay. and that's why he goes inside the school Okay, and then she follows him after and then they embrace, you know, they hug or whatever yeah. and then he imagines himself younger. That's in you know, a whole dance and they do it by two different actors who start dancing with each other. Okay. And then the janitor comes and he kills, you know, he kills the old version of Jake which mm-hmm. could be, you know, foreshadowing to suicide and killing yourself because it's his older version killing his younger self. Okay. Yeah, so maybe he committed suicide at the end because, you know, he walks outside, you know, naked and falls on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. But in the book, so in between the chapter segments, there's two people talking to each other about a dead body, and it ends up being Jake's body. So, uh-huh. so in the book, he definitely does commit suicide, mm-hmm. but in the movie it's kind of left to your interpretation if he does or not because it kind of just ends on like a blue sky kind of don't thing. we hear the car starting yeah that too so he may have not gone through with it yeah i mean that that's what i thought because if you stay all the way through the end of the credits you hear just very briefly a car the car that he was in at the end the truck oh starting up very oh i didn't like, watch i stopped the credits Ooh. oh yeah go, go back and just see that i mean tell me if i'm wrong like I thought I heard a car starting up, but it's like, it's such a quick little blip. It's like the credits roll, right? you see the car, and then and then it cuts off. Oh. Ooh. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, did he end up not going through with it? Was it just all like, all these memories just kind of going through his head? Because if you think about it, if you're a janitor at a school, nobody else there, your mind is going to wander. It's going to go off thinking about all the different things. The good memories, the bad memories. Yeah, especially if, you know, I don't know what happened in Jake's life, but, you know, he went from someone who was, you know, what was he, like a physicist to like a janitor? So, like, yeah. obviously something happened in his yeah. life that prevented him from doing something. So, yeah. you know, 
And that's kind of the conversations they have. That's why they're so philosophical and like they finish each other's sentences and he can hear what she's saying because it's him fantasizing. Oh, now that makes total sense. Yeah, you know, because he always wanted someone to converse with and talk about things that he liked and was interested in and stuff. See, this totally, this totally changes everything. I thought it was about her. Totally thought it was about her. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of is because it's what, you know, he envisions he always wanted but never could get. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty so deep. <laughs> I am so glad we're having this conversation because I did not pick up on that at all. Okay, but then what does, there, later on in the film, there's that sequence where he gives a speech like it's oh, like an award ceremony or something like that. He's older. Right. And then he, you know, basically thanks everybody for you know, the impact that they've had on his life. And then he starts singing a song, which is another, again, a musical element that was brought in because he talks about to the film. Yeah. And I think that. that song is from Oklahoma, which was on the radio that was playing when they were driving up. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I figured it had to have been tied into that. I'm not really familiar with Oklahoma off the top of my head. Um, wow. Okay. All right. See, the more you tell me all this, the more clear it, it, it feels. So, I mean, the, the, the end is basically a fantasy, you know, because he always wanted to win a Nobel Prize for, you know, physics or whatever. And then the first person he looks at is the girl. I notice in the audience, too... Um, there was the ice cream girl too, as well. They're all, yeah. So, um, I had to look this up, but, uh, there's two ice. So the three ice cream girls. So when they go to the ice cream hut, there's like two blonde girls Which is in the middle of nowhere. Right. And then there's a, um, so, so the, so the reason why everything's so sparse is because is that that's his conscious, right? Yeah. Because he's imagining the fantasy and then, oh. We're hungry. I can imagine. That's why the road is like so empty. It's because it's you know he's thinking of the next scenario in his head. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're driving, and then the two girls, the blonde girls that are in the restaurant, are actually in the school scene, a little bit beforehand. Mm. And when the janitor's kind of sweeping, and the girl, there's like two blonde girls, and they kind of look at him weird, and they laugh at him or whatever. It's the same two girls. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so it's always his insecurities of like, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Man, I I know I it's know. a cliche to say it, but mind blown right <laughs> now. Seriously. I feel like I this is stuff that I didn't even process and it makes me want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I mean, I had a kind of an understanding of it just because I read the book, but like it makes a lot of sense now that I've, you know, kind of had both. Yeah. I I yeah, my interpretation was like completely different. And I and I think the other thing that I really, really appreciated about this film too was that as far out as it can be and as, you know, existential as it can be, those relationship parts, they felt still very real. Like I've been in those kind of scenarios and they're not great to be oh, in. Oh yeah, definitely. And they really play out really authentic. Like just the like the, the underlying tension that's there. Like you, you both know something's up with this relationship, you know, or maybe one side is really optimistic and thinking it's going to work. And the other one obviously doesn't feel that same way. Mm -hmm. And is, you know, again, thinking of ending things. I just like th those, those conversations like were so revealing from a character perspective. They may be long, but I felt like, okay, this is where like all the background information about them is being given to us. And I felt like there's just like an underlying, like no matter what in life, you're going to have so many things that make you sad. And those things always seem to overtake your life more than the happy things. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got the sense that with, with her female, female character, he, he envisioned her now that you told me this information, he envisioned her as somebody he was trying to, in a way, like bring over to that happiness. Yeah. And there's different, you know, scenarios where, you know, she's, a, she goes from a physicist to an artist to a, you know, it's all the careers and stuff that, you know, he wanted that he never could do. Yeah. But I, I then also think that his mind is working against him. Yes. Because... Oh yeah. Because he should have just done it. Yeah, and been happy, but instead, for something you know, something held him back, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. So now he has to play these scenarios in his head. 
because like when they're having dinner with the parents, she'll talk about like, oh, so great how we met, we met at this bar, and even that scenario changes. But I feel like he 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 knows in his mind that he can't he can't even accept somebody being in love with him or loving him back um, because like she'll even then say like later on in the film like I can't believe he introduced himself to me that way he was just staring at us he was a total creep so yeah it's, it's his insecurities playing yeah his, yeah exactly yeah. thank you exactly what I was trying to get to his insecurities being being played up I mean this is this is a heavy film in the sense that there's like so much to it and yeah it you know they talk about John Cassavetes at some point so like there are definitely some moments where it's like all right here come out the hipster elements that you know people are going to poke fun at but I think we've all had conversations like that mm-hmm. you know I'm talking about movies there's there's ways to be not pretentious about it you know yeah like I, they could really like they did they dropped David Foster Wallace a couple times mm-hmm. you know and they didn't do it like pushy or anything but again David Foster Wallace killed himself you're Jake. right yep you're right there's like little little blurps and blurs throughout the film especially um when they're driving in the car and they're pulling up on their parents house and he has like a scar on his hand and his hand turned old or whatever because he's in that's right oh man oh now now i need to rewatch this yeah right (laughs) you should i i honestly like i mean i don't have too much other too much more to say other than yeah it's it's you know for for spoiling the movie there's a lot of really good elements in this movie. It's jam packed with a lot of good imagery, visuals, editing is superb. And, you know, I imagine another watch, you could probably pick up more stuff than you did before. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, the whole cast is phenomenal, but I think, um, Jesse, uh, Buckley, is it Buckley? Do I have it right? Let me pull it. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Jesse Buckley is phenomenal. I really hope she gets some kind of award recognition because, her character really has to go through the ringer. Oh yeah, I, I I felt almost cheated by the end of it just because like, oh it's him the whole time. But you know, yeah. going back on it, it makes sense. Yeah, I would have liked. Uh, I mean, it. It's it wasn't like it wasn't like dumb like Fight Club. You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like it was it, more. It just would have been nice out. to see her one last time before the film had ended because that final little bit she she kind of just drops off for. And I understand now that you've explained it to me that that's intentional. Yeah. But I just the fantasy's felt like, over. Yeah, I she she she's she's really excellent. I was just really captivated by her performance. There are points where you see her happy, there are points where you see her like questioning things and I'm always impressed by an actor or actress that can pull off a great performance when a lot of their stuff is when a lot of their performance is narrated. Like that's tough to do. Yeah. Like, just having to sit there and convey that you're thinking about thoughts. She pulls it off so well. And then Tony Collette is just phenomenal. Oh, too. yeah. Everything Absolutely she phenomenal. touches is gold. Da- David Thewlis is great, too. And it's just... Tony t- Tony Collette was just cracking me up. And that whole bit with the dog, too, like, <laughs> drying off. Oh, yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't get that. I don't know if that represents anything. Do you know? The dog? Yeah. Like, constantly shaking, um, trying to get dry. Did you see his ashes in his room? Did you miss that? I did. Oh yeah. So so Jake basically he lives in his parents' house. Yeah. Like he never leaves there as the janitor or whatever. And if you look really close, when she's in the room, you can see there's like a jar and it says Jimmy on it. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. I know. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. I I I need to see this again. Obviously, I think it's phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite movies I've seen. That has come out this year, although. <laughs> there's although speaking movies. of which, I think we can uh, jump yeah. into our next topic here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's let's jump into our next topic. So, if you are future Adam, thirty four, twelve, thirteen. Thank you. Sorry. Continue. I, <laughs> I like how you pulled a um, Bill and Ted moment there. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, dude. Just just throw put a garbage can over his head. <laughs> All right. Ted, remember to get a garbage can. <laughs> Rufus, what are you doing, man? <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you've been following the news r- recently related to the movie industry, you would have known that the latest Bond movie, No Time to Die, which was supposed to premiere next month in November, had just been recently announced that it's being pushed out 
to next year. <laughs> so this is like the fourth time I think that this movie is being pushed out. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of represents kind of what's going on with the industry as a whole. Um, with the exception of Tenet, pretty much all major movies, major tentpole movies, I should say, mm-hmm. like your big budget, like $20 million plus movies to be, you know, budget movies that have been made are coming out next year with a lot of movies that are supposed to be coming out in 2021 being pushed back to 2022. So I thought this would be a good discussion to have because I've gone and seen a movie. I saw Tenet and you, you, you haven't been to the theater yourself. I have not. And I think it's important to say before we go into this conversation too, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to go to the movie theater whatsoever. I totally get that. Totally, totally get that. I mean, I haven't been to a restaurant. Um, I haven't, I, you know, really the main place I've been to is a grocery store, and that's because you need to go to the grocery store. You got to mm-hmm. eat. But for the most part, I haven't been anywhere else. And even for me, it took me quite a lot to work up the courage to go see Tenet. So I don't blame anybody for wanting to not see a movie whatsoever. So I, I just want to make that clear. Like, I don't want to make anybody feel like they're being shamed for not supporting movies no it's 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 a hard it's a hard line to do you know there's ever-changing world this none of this is normal yeah you know regal just shut down all their theaters for upper on operations till at least next year so obviously it's not getting better no and there's really no incentive you know to go see a movie when everything is so accessible from home exactly and you can you know we saw that with i think trolls world tour like the the second trolls movie was kind of the first to be like all right or obviously we can't get this in theaters. Let's put it in home streaming, and it did phenomenal. It was like twenty bucks or something like that. It was perfect for yeah, was, you know parents who have families because they were going to be spending that much money or more anyway. To yeah, exactly. So the model works. It's just you know, I don't think the big in, the big theaters are ready to shut down operations for that reason. But you know, if they migrated more to streaming things, you know, and charged like. I don't know, 50 bucks for a new movie you can watch at home. I think a lot of people would start doing that instead. Yeah, and I feel like with something like James Bond, No Time to Die, considering how many times it's moved out, they might as well have just put it on demand. Yeah, like, point. look, there's, there's theater experiences are important and they are great, but at a certain point, you know, a movie's got to try to make some money back. And, and it's obvious, you know, these movie studios, I mean, and I'm sorry if this sounds cynical. But these movie studios are going to sit there and say, like, oh, we're moving out the release date for the safety of our guests. No, you're, you're moving it out because you know you're not yeah, going to make gonna a lot of money. Yeah, you're going to lose money. Yeah. Yeah. Because these movie theaters, the ones that are still open anyway, like Tenet, when that came out, like... Yeah, there are probably, like, what, three people in there? Th- there, was, there was no more than 12 people in that theater. And if yeah. you think about it, no theater is able to operate at full capacity anyway. Right. So, so you're these, not going to make as much money anyway. Exactly. So that, that was really the big concern overall for these movie theater, these movie studios, I should say, is that, you know, they aren't going to be able to pull in the size audiences that they want in order to make back the money that's been spent on the budget and the marketing, whatever. AKA Mulan. Right. Yeah. I mean, so they brought out Mulan and it's like $30 on Disney plus. You can only watch it on Disney plus, but they're making it free in December for Disney plus members. So I'm going to wait to December before I watch it. Like I, I'm not fathomed by that, you know? Yeah. And and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I can, I can wait a little bit to not spend $30 for a service I already pay for. No, I'll be honest. I saw Tenet, and I thought that the movie theaters did a phenomenal job with keeping everything safe. There were a lot of com- cleaning supplies out. They would clean that's, regularly. That's good. I, get, I don't know. It just depends how many people are in there, you know, because if people wear their masks throughout it. Well, you know, and, that, that's the other kind of kicker, because yeah. if you have popcorn or soda and stuff, you're taking it off to eat it at some point. So I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, granted, there was enough space in the movie theater that yeah. I went to. And luckily, you went, I think, at a late time, too, so I'm sure that helped, and not a lot of people were out. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I felt overall safe, and I felt like they did a great job. You know, like, there were those, like, plexiglass shields, like, the, at, at, uh, at the concession counter and right. all that. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm tossed between two worlds here. Like I said, I don't blame people for not wanting to go to the movie theater, not feeling safe. And just feeling like, okay, we need to wait until a vaccine is out. We need to wait until there's a better time to see these movies. Because I just don't 
feel I mean, safe these the movies are designed to attract big groups of people together to watch things, and unfortunately, you can't do that. Yeah. So hopefully, this means that you know maybe smaller movies like I'm thinking of ending things, and you know these streaming services can bring actual art and move cool movies, you know, to these things. I mean, and that's what's cool about streaming platforms is that they could have those more niche movies. That, yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, you're going to have a crowd of people that are interested in, but now, and especially now with the pandemic going on, a lot more people are going to end up seeing on a streaming platform as opposed to actually going to the theater to see it. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, these temple movies are so important to movie theaters. Right, and it's like, you know, you don't want to put out your best movie on a streaming service because it almost, like, delegitimizes it. Yeah. Like, um, I'm thinking, like, Black Widow, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like Disney would love to put that on streaming services. But, you know, Black Widow is not, you know, the most important character in the Marvel Universe. And it might not do as well as it was in a theater. And so I'm think, sure Mulan was a test run for them. And then they probably looked at how much that made and thought, like, yeah, we're not going right. to go through with this again for a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know, they're going to save their big guns for the theaters. Yeah. It, it's just, it's like... You know, on the other side of it, it's like these temple movies are so important. And when they keep on saying, like, you know, in the case of No Time to Die, like, oh, we're going to open up in November and then pull out a month before. Now all these movie theaters now have to shut down. Right, because there's nothing to show. Exactly. And hopefully this means less, you know, clutter in the movie universe. Like, you're not going to greenlight Angry Birds 3 just because you got to make it, you know? I, I would hope so, too. But I feel like... The other downside to doing this, too, besides, like, movie theaters potentially closing temporarily or forever, for, the, for that matter, like, you mm -hmm. know, AMC was already in a lot of financial trouble prior to this, to this pandemic. I think they filed for bankruptcy at one point. Yeah, that sounds right. It's like they were relying on these tentpole movies, and the only one that came out was Tenant, which a lot of people were very critical of. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that jumps on the Christopher Nolan hand, uh, uh, hate bandwagon, personally. I totally get it. And I will say this about him. He actually did go to a movie theater himself to go see something else. So he at least walks the walk. That's good. Um, or walks the talk. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he rented out the theater just to himself. There's no one else in there. Well, and I mean, I felt like watching Tenet, like, oh, yeah, like this would not have been the same experience at home. Oh, yeah, definitely not. And I mean, it was it was loud. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was super loud. But I mean, I, mean, I saw like... The, the was a Tron Legacy and mm -hmm. in, in IMAX 3D and I know if I saw that at home I would not have had the same experience yeah, in theaters. I, I, yeah, did, no. I did as well so it's yeah it's it's difficult because it's like I wanted to support this business because I didn't want this industry to die out and plus I don't want to m m miss out on a movie theater that I really enjoy because I feel like now they're going to be in financial trouble right as well as all those poor people who work there their job they just get it back during the pandemic and now they're losing it again again not blaming people who don't no but it's hard there. you know to to justify being open if no one wants to go out and the way this virus spreads us through the air whoop there oh, goes my phone there, there, there goes the phone yeah the coffee must be kicking in because they're both getting very jittery right <laughs> I now i know right i'm feeling it Woo. yeah it's it's it it's it's like i'm caught in the middle i understand both sides I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not even blaming the studios because they have to be able to make money in order to keep on making more pictures as well. Yeah, I mean, it just depends how much money they're willing to lose before a vaccine comes. I, I, my other concern, though, is that like by moving everything to 2021 now, now everything's going to be overstuffed next year. And what we sometimes see with movie season, especially during the key blockbuster movie season, is that all these movies end up competing with each other. Sometimes even the same studio ends up competing with themselves. Yeah. So now like we're going to have James Bond, we're going to have Black Widow, we're going to have, let's see, what else? Um, Dune. Like, oh yeah, all these big like sci-fi movies. Coming yeah. Out. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a thought process. I don't think it was ego with, with Christopher Nolan. I think he genuinely was trying to do, last ditch effort to try and get people to the movie theaters i'm sure yeah i mean you work hard on a movie like that you want to you know show it the way it should be shown and and i get the art form of that but at the same time it's like 
yeah. at, at a certain point, there's safety and you're going to lose a lot more money because people are not going out. So. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think he's a savior by <laughs> any no. stretch of the imagination, but it's like, it's one of those kind of things where like, there's no perfect answer. And I don't think any side is necessarily right or wrong. It's just that there's no perfect solution to this, to this whole mm-hmm. issue. And in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, maybe there would have been some kind of, I don't know, government funding to help it out. But yeah, you would, you would think, but, uh, we have more well, important things to worry about, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, let's, let's be blunt. I'm not <laughs> trying to get too political here right at the end of this podcast, but it's, you know, the arts is not really something that's, that's a priority. Nope. Priority and it's, and it's yeah. awful that that's the case. And we see it with music venues, you know, mm-hmm. and bars and restaurants, like there could have been relief, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And, and, and I know music, there was music venues especially, man. Like they're in super danger. Yeah, super super danger. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Right to your senators. Yes. Tell them to care. Yes, yes. I mean that's. I mean that's really all you can do. Yep. It's it's unfortunate, but we're kind of powerless in a lot of these scenarios. Yep. And if I live closer to say the social, I'd be buying food from them just to help them support because they've had to turn into a mu- music venue to a restaurant yep just to try and make ends meet so yeah it's it's such a it's such it's a, a weird time we're living in yeah it it, it is i don't want I don't, and, and like i said i hope i don't make it feel like i'm shaming anybody in any kind of way i just think that there's no like there's no easy answer to say what not. to what not do you know if you open you're irresponsible if you close well people are not gonna be able to work and it's it's crappy either way yeah Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that was a good little discussion to have, though. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about that. And I, and I think our review and discussion of I'm thinking of any things was was perfect, too, as well. We should do this again soon. I mean, I don't know what movie we'll talk about next. Yeah, whatever comes to streaming services, I guess. Did you see Enola Holmes? What? Enola Holmes. I do not know Enola Holmes. Okay. Uh, Who's it's, that? It's the new... Sherlock Holmes inspired movie where it's about Sherlock Holmes' sister. Oh. I think that'd be a fun movie to talk about. I so saw that. Is that a... Wait, that's the Netflix one with that's Netflix. Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. Okay. I don't know if you'd like it or not, but I, I don't know. I, I do, do we really need another Sherlock Holmes thing? <laughs> like, who's Sherlock Holmes this time? I I don't want to give away too much, but uh, who's Sherlock Holmes this time? Yeah. It's um, Henry Cavill. Oh. It's... It's, oh, it's buff Sherlock Holmes. It's, okay. It's we well, kind of did that with Robert Downey Jr. Remember when they made Robert Downey Jr. like a fighting expert? Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Who's Watson? Um, Jude Law. Not. Oh, yeah. I saw the first one. I liked it. I thought it was fun. It like okay. Sherlock Holmes was an expert in combat and jujitsu. Oh yeah, that's like right. That yeah. In, in the original, uh, stories, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're He's right. He's not it's... like Superman buff. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. He, any suit he wears looks like it's like screaming to be released. <laughs> His muscles will just rip it off at any yeah, second. Yeah, the buttons right. just go flying and hit someone in the face. Yeah, they had to yell cut several times because his suit keeps on tearing. Well, the big question, though, does he have a mustache? No. Oh, no, no. mustache cut. No, Dang. no. No mustache ca- uh, cavil. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think oh, we'll have to talk about that about. monstrosity when it comes out. Oh yeah, that's right. Ugh. I'm, I'm, I don't feel that way like you do, but I'm. I'm I don't not... feel like spending four hours of my life watching the Justice League movie. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. I am not a Zack Snyder hater because he's definitely one of those guys that you love. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate. hate him. I just don't need to sit through four hours of <laughs> Justice League. That's all. I'm. I'm. I'm open to it, but. It's not one of those kind of things where it's like, oh, it's my most look forward to movie of the year. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in the sense, like, I'm curious to see how his directorial, his true directorial vision plays out. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think there are things that I've liked that he's done and there are things that I haven't liked that he's done with yeah. his DC movies. But that's going to be... Another time. An- another time, absolutely. But yeah, we'll, we'll figure out what movie to do next. Um, I think there's definitely stuff out there for us to, to talk about. Yeah. So anyway, this was a lot of fun, sir. I know the coffee is like, I'm I know, totally I'm, wired. I'm out, of, I'm out of coffee right now. It's very oh, sad. That is very, very sad. I got one last sip. Ooh. But yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you, David Lynch. Thank you, David Lynch. There's a little quote here. I drink coffee when I work. Not only is the flavor great, 
but I like to think there's good ideas in every bag. David Lynch. <laughs> I love your David Lynch. <laughs> I've been I'm watching a lot of David Lynch content. His weather reports. You know, blue skies and golden sunshine all along the way. Good days are ahead. <laughs> Keep your eye on the donut, not the hole. <laughs> oh, great stuff. If you great ever stuff. want a good laugh, you should look up um, David Lynch with like Jay Leno or David Letterman. Uh-huh. It's it's great. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, sir, this has been a lot of fun. I'd I, I cheers with you to end the show. but I'll cheers. Well, let's That's do fine. it anyway. Let's let's get let's, the last yeah. remaining sips out of here. Mm. Uh, this was a lot of fun. So those of you who listened to us and gave our movie review and discussion, let us know what you think. Drop us a line at g4dpodcast at gmail.com. That sounds right. I think our website is g4dpodcast.com. And our Gmail might be g4d underscore podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Whatever. We're on Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, yeah. all the good stuff, Stitcher. All, all those wonderful places. Thank you for listening to us. Another episode of G4D, a.k.a. Grounds for Discussion. discussion. Bye. Caffeine-induced antics on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the username g4d underscore podcast drop us a line at g4dpodcast at gmail.com if you have any music suggestions general questions or business inquiries you can find our podcast on itunes and john and i would super appreciate if you rated and subscribed to our show may your cup and heart always be full of coffee good music and cliche motivational ending sentences thanks <laughs>